You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Inside Black and Gold, a 3-2 and two edition after the Saints get a 34 to nothing victory in New England. Jeff, you are back from the Northeast uh, quite a way. The Black and Gold, an impressive win against a pretty lackluster squad to be to be nice to even say that yeah that was brutal for patriots fans i feel bad for him even though i don't Absolutely at all right it's the most spoiled fan base in the nfl for good reason but man that's like we can we can talk about the saints put a <laughs> put a bad showing on in week four and the fans deserve better they didn't lose like that yeah at least that they if that was anyone other than Bill Belichick, if the head coach was literally anyone other than arguably the best head coach of all time, uh, I mean, you, he he might get fired midseason. Like, I, I he might still answer questions about his job, but like, if that was Dennis Allen, if that if the if the Saints went out and lost back to back games by a combined score of what was it seventy two to three, would Dennis Allen have a job? Would half the NFL coaching ranks have a job? No. Maybe Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin might be the only head coach that could survive it. But, man, that was brutal. And Sean Payton's trying to test it right now, I guess. (laughs) First-year head coaches get a pass, typically, uh, because, you know, you're still installing. You're kind of getting your players in. But, yeah, that was was tough, too. Losing at home to the Zach Wilson Jets, not a great thing. Did you see the clip of uh, Robert Sala saying, stay humble? Yeah. Yeah. Although (laughs) I thought they said it was interpreted now as he said, stay healthy. Sure, he did. Yeah, I have yeah. I have to see the actual clip, but yeah, I thought someone just said that on Good Morning Football about uh, it was actually get healthy, so, but I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to believe stay humble. Uh, anyway, stay humble, right, it, it's because right. that's the whole Nathaniel Hackett thing, whatever. But no, so it just we're gonna get into this is kind of our this is our post game edition because uh, you know the funny thing about traveling to Foxborough, and I don't know if anyone you know a lot of people know this. You don't stay in Massachusetts even when you go place the Patriots. You fly into Providence, Rhode Island. So it's like a 35-minute drive to the game, which means the travel back from the game to the airport is pretty long. You know, it's like a 35-minute bus ride, and then you get on the plane for one of the longer flights you'll take 
you know, other, unless you're going to the West coast or it's like a three hour flight back. And so, you know, that's a, for, for a noon game, that's a pretty hefty, you know, travel uh, to not be going, you know, to Seattle, right? Like that's probably the only more difficult road trip in terms of time in the air. But um, so we got back pretty late, wasn't able to do anything last night. So this is our post game edition. This first segment, I want to talk pretty exclusively about the offense and what we saw, you know, some takeaways, you know, we'll have some news at the top, but otherwise just kind of get into the, what we heard from Alvin Kamara, you know, some other players on the offense, you know, was clearly, you know, and, and players have said this, it was a relief, you know, like they, they know, like they can project confidence all they want. This team was aware that they needed to put on a much better showing offensively than they have over the first month of the season. And so just, you know, just a feeling like you're going in the right direction is, 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 a very positive thing for this team, even if the Patriots are just a joke right now. Second segment, we're going to get into the stock up players. I have a bunch of them, obviously, because this was a game where pretty much everything went right. And then the final segment, now there was some stuff that went wrong. There's a lot of penalties and, and Alvin Kamara has a list. So we'll go through that and kind of talk about, you know, what the saints still do need to improve going forward. But, you know, first things first, Pete, I'm sorry, Pete, (laughs) not Pete. Pete's the one who is going to get some nice questions this week. And uh, won't have to say that's on me, Steve. What was kind of your takeaways from the game? What because it, you know, I, I obviously, you know, it's funny because you, when you're on the sideline, and you know this, when you're on the sideline versus watching it on TV, you get a very different view of everything that happened in the game. Uh, so, what what were kind of your takeaways from that? It was just a, a total domination from this team. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear that complete game offense, defense, special teams. I feel like we really legit saw that. In this matchup, starting just, I'll go with special teams. Punter, Luke Headley, you know, he's taken a lot of flack too. Had a pretty decent day, I thought. You also look at field goal percentage-wise. Obviously, you got Groupie adding to his season total and making two 50-plus yarders outside. I thought that was pretty clutch of him, so bravo there. Uh, Defensively, what can you say? Uh, Obviously, a shutout. I don't care how struggling, yeah, the offense is for the Patriots. Still an NFL squad I'm looking at. and Their defense it, it, is solid. Like, the offense right. was a joke, but their defense is solid. So, like, you know, even without Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez, like, that's that's not for nothing that they were able to put up those points. Yeah, And the fact, too, the Saints shot themselves a lot in the foot with penalties this game. That's the one, the biggest negative, obviously, is the amount of penalties. And they still, the, the Patriots couldn't even capitalize off of that. That's how awful and inept that offense just is. You you said it perfectly at the top about Bill Belichick. I don't know if he would last today, even if his name wasn't Bill Belichick. It, it was that awful. It looked like the quarterback completely tuned out. It even looked like the head coach in the third quarter didn't even give a rat's ass. Yeah, well, so the funny thing is you bring up the specialists. I think the Saints, the, there was four rookie specialists in that game. The Saints, too, yeah. had really good days, right? Groupie made it from 52 and 54. Well, we'll get into that. You know, one of the positive things that came out of this game, there were really no major injuries to speak of in terms of, you know, no one left the game and didn't come back that were like, man, how are they going to be this week? There were two injuries to monitor. Special teams ace JT Gray went out with a hamstring injury in the second half. He went back to the locker room, didn't come back. So that's going to be one. Uh, and then Adam Prentice, the fullback, went out with a knee issue, didn't come back. Apparently, Nephi Sewell is the backup fullback. That's something that I that I learned uh, on Sunday because he was in there for the victory formation plays, um, which is kind of interesting. I wonder, I wonder if they've repped that or if he just was like, I'll do it. <laughs> so he got some snaps on offense, which is kind of funny. And then the other one that is worth monitoring 
happened pregame did not actually factor into the game in a tangible way. I would argue that it probably did when you kind of look at it and see some of these close plays that didn't pan out. Was Chris Olave was dealing with a toe injury. We saw him warming up in the pregame. He said it was something that started developing on Friday and he got treatment Sunday morning, said it was fine to play with. Dennis Allen said that he didn't have any setbacks during the game. It didn't really affect anything. But you saw Chris have some opportunities to make big plays and like just wasn't able to get there. And like it, it did, I do wonder if there was some limitations based on that. Like there was one play late in the first half where he was barreling toward the sideline and he wasn't able to get both feet inbounds. It was a great catch. And I know because he almost killed me as he did it. Did you see that on the broadcast? Did you notice that, that I almost died on the sideline? No, I did not. I'll have to definitely go back and check because I got it. I, I know those close calls happen for sure. Oh, this one was good. I got it here for you. So this is that play. That's me. That's me <laughs> giving the old uh, giving the old matador there. Yes. Look. <laughs> and you know it's funny because this angle it does not look nearly as close as it was, but like in real time, see. right? Like, so I'm standing there, and Chris is coming full speed. And you know, it's like it's like kind of like if it if you're if a tree is falling and you're trying to get out of the way, you can't run backwards, right? Because right. it's still gonna land on you. You have to go either left or right. And so <laughs> I was just kind of there. It was like a deer in the headlights because I didn't want to commit too early just in case like he planted and went the other direction, and then I get just right in the way. So I kind of had to wait until like he got off the field. And then I was like, whoop. And like if you're like, how close was it? Well. He was close enough to me that his hand actually caught the my headphones connected to the mic pack, which I've had all sorts of problems with with right. my mic pack getting caught on stuff. And he actually like whipped the mic pack off of me, like the the headphones came out and like the mic pack landed on the ground. Like that's how close it was, because <laughs> he was going fast. It wasn't like you know casually like rolling to the sideline. Like he was full speed. This is actually slowed down anyway. So. But yeah, that was a play that I think if he's not dealing with that toe injury, maybe he's able to be a little bit more precise. Either way, you know, I I think that's going to be something to watch because we've seen toe injuries linger. You know, you can play through something and still not have it be right. And hopefully that's not something that gets worse as he's playing through it so that he has the missed time. But that's one that like I would expect to see him on the injury report this week. Um, And that's just going to be something you have to keep an eye on. Well, thankfully, you're not taking him down because then the team's going to look at you. Oh, he's got a toe. And thanks to Jeff, a back issue now, too. No, trust me. If he <laughs> ran into me, I would be the one. I mean, at that speed, full pads. He, and he had his helmet down. Like, he would have, like, barreled into my chest. Like, I would I would have probably been uh, leaving on a stretcher. Uh, anyway. I don't know what but. it is with those away stadiums. Kicking nets and now Chris Olave. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But it was, no, it's funny because, like, you – you kind of see the play and it's you don't know where it's going to end, but it was like he had a homing beacon. It was like directly. Right, right. And I was the only person standing there. Like I was actually kind of by myself. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's kind of funny. Uh, and a lot of people will say too, oh, you just go, you know, get out the way one way or the other. You do almost freeze in the moment because you are thinking, which way is he going to, could he dart this way? Should I do that? <laughs> and then almost then it's like too late. Yeah, no, I, I almost didn't move in time. I, I was like panicking, but I got out of the way. But that's, that's why I had to kind of like Olay. Like I didn't, but yeah, anyway, so so that was something. But hopefully that's just something that they dealt with this week and you can get better. Because the thing to keep in mind is the Saints played 10, uh, they played two games over the next 10 days. 
this is going to be one of the more grueling stretches of their season, right? From this point until week seven, because you have the Texans on Sunday and then you turn around and you play the Jaguars at home at least, but it's still a quick turnaround. So, you know, if you're dealing with something right now, getting through these next two games might be difficult. Uh, So that's going to be something to watch either way. Let's kind of move on to, you know, the offense as a whole. Uh, You know, I've, I've seen a few different takes on it in terms of, Yay! This is this is great. We got if this was a relief. Uh, that's what James Hurst said, and he used the word relief multiple times in terms of like you know you the uh, the players will say something. They'll say the same things. They'll say the right the right words, and they'll project confidence. But at the end of the day, you know that they know that they that they had to be better. They can say all day long, "We're close, we're close, we're close," and they did. But until you do it, until you show it. It's really hard to 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 believe it, uh, and so I think more so than anything else, that's what I take out of this is, you know, this offense needed to prove to itself that it could put up a performance that was acceptable, not not perfect. They weren't perfect. Derek right. Carr didn't have two hundred yards passing, but they committed to the run. They generated first downs. They scored in the red zone. Now the stats will say three of four. It's three of three. The last the last red zone trip was literally the final play of the game where they took a knee at the 20 at the Patriots 20 yard line. So that doesn't count. They were three of three in the red zone. And if you can do that, if you can be efficient in the red zone and score touchdowns with this defense, you're going to win a lot of games. And so that's to me, the bigger part of it is you kept the defense off balance. You moved the ball, you converted on third down third and long. Even Mike Thomas is healthy. He looks good. He's willing to take those hits. And, you know, it's just like that's the type of – that's a building block. Now, it wasn't perfect. There were some moments. They got they got off to a slow start. There were drops. But, you know, for Pete Carmichael, a guy who has taken, I would say, far more than his fair share of the criticism. There is a level of criticism that should be directed at Pete Carmichael for how this offense had performed over the first month of the season. He is getting a way more of it than is probably reasonable in terms of – he can't go on the field and complete passes. He, like he needs to be better, but so do the players on the field. And so I think just from a all around perspective and Dennis Allen said, this is the most complete game he's seen this team play in a long time. That was true on offense, defense, special teams. Everyone got the job done. Now the penalties are a different story, but you know, I just think going forward, this team needed something like this and they got it. Amen to that. And uh, another huge positive to me was seeing the fact that, Derek Carr obviously probably still hurting in that AC sprain, but it didn't look like it affected him like it did in the game against Tampa Bay where you could tell he was kind of laboring and struggling. I didn't see that at all this game. In fact, there was that one sack that he took. He did hold on to the ball too long there too, but yes. you know he comes down on the shoulder and it it didn't make him wince or anything and cause him any you know discomfort the rest of the game. So like I said, it was it was good to see him looks to be managing a lot better right now. Yeah, I don't think the the shoulder is going to be a conversation much more beyond this point. I, right. He might still be limited in practice this week, but the, the shoulder was not a factor in that game, and uh, I don't expect it to be going forward. Um, one thing that was a factor in that game, we talked about this, and this was a big, you know, it's interesting, is, you know, Alvin Kamara coming out of the game was talking about, you know, it's a collaborative effort, this game in particular. And, you know, he's out there talking to Joel Thomas, talking to Ronald Curry, the passing game coordinator, kind of giving Pete Carmichael a nudge saying like, we like this play in this situation. Let's run this. Um, Derek Carr said the same thing in terms of like, these are situations where 
okay, you know, what play do you like? I like this one. Let's go with that. And, and that's, you know, it might catch some people off guard in terms of why is the offensive coordinator taking tips from, from his players. But to me, that's just a sign of a healthy offense. That's how every offense should operate. You should be running the plays that your players are confident in, in certain situations. Like, the offensive coordinator can be confident in a play and run it. But if the players don't feel like, like what, what is the player's preference in that situation? What do they feel the most comfortable running? And that should be part of it. And so that conversation should be allowed to happen. And this is what Alvin Kamara had to say about that. I think uh, it, it was good to see Pete out there having fun. It was like he took a, a deep breath and just exhaled. Um, it was collaborative, though. You know, um, I think uh, anytime we, we, we can go out there, I think, you know, me and Derek were talking all game. I was going to Pete, kind of trying to nudge him to, to, you know, run some 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 things that, you know, Mike likes, uh, that the O-line likes, some things that I saw that I like. Me, talking to JT, talking to RC, just collaborating and, and you know, doing what everybody's comfortable with doing. You know, what talking to everybody, seeing what – Trying to get in the minds of everybody on the O and get the ball spread out and, and you know, trying to be efficient on offense so we can operate. We got too many playmakers to be to, to have a shitty offense. And I mean, I think today was a good example of what we could do when we when we're collaborating and, and hitting. To me, that's just Alvin Kamara embracing a leadership role. Right. And I think that's something that we've seen from him and Mike over the last few weeks. These are guys that when they came into this team, they were the young bucks, obviously, and they were being led by Drew Brees, by Mark Ingram, by even a Ted Ginn, right? Like veterans who could take on that kind of vocal leadership role. Well, at a certain point, Alvin Kamara and Mike Thomas are those veterans and this team needs them to be in that in that role. And so like Alvin has his own unique way of going about it, obviously, and he's a character and you're going to hear from him and he's he's always going to have some interesting quips and, and, and kind of loud ideas as to what this team should be doing. But that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. And so it's good to hear that Pete Carmichael is taking that and working with it. Now, that becomes a double-edged sword. It, it's great when things are going well. What about when they're not going well and there is some disagreement over what should be happening, right? How did that conversation go when you're down five in the fourth quarter as opposed to when you're up 34? That's something to watch. But I think just in general, that's a good sign for this team. Yeah, and at least the Patriots' defense – is a lot better off than their offensive unit right now. That that defense, I know they're they're down some people obviously there as well, uh, missing you know some some key folks. But seeing this team, one being able to get that run game going was key, and it wasn't anything that was overly explosive. But at least I think you said too early they stuck with it and and were determined to get those ground yards. And yeah, you, you got to imagine how much that helped with the passing game. And we still, even though we had an offensive finally output in this matchup, uh, you know, getting into the end zone, three for three in the red zone, yippee, yippee, Kaye, we still haven't even, I think, even touched the surface. There's still so much more with the weapons involved that haven't been utilized. Yeah, I mean, like you could look at 34 and be like, okay, 10 of those points were directly from the defense, <laughs> right? There was a turnover in the second half that they went negative six yards and kicked a field goal. Right. So it wasn't perfect. It was anything. It was not perfect, but you don't need perfect. You just need positive. You need this team to be getting better. And so Dan Derek Carr kind of talked about that. Here's here's what he had to say about Pete. There was no different thought this week. There was no different feeling. Um, we we knew what uh, what we have in Pete, and we believe in him. And like I, you know, I never never lied to y'all. Like I, we we think the world of Pete, and so uh, I just know that 
uh, I've been in tough times, and you know when you do have, go out and have a good day, it, it's always a relief. No matter, you know, it's always like, all right, let's at least get you know seven days answering nice questions about you know some things, you know. And so, um, and, but that's this business, and and he knows that. I know that playing quarterback, uh, head coaches always know that, right? They got to always answer questions, and so it, it is what it is. But our confidence never changed in Pete for sure. Derek Carr doesn't know a thing or two about bad starts this season. He started season 0 10. I think he had another one who was one and eight. He had another one where he was like two and seven. So like when when Derek says like you know I'm not overreacting to a couple bad games, you know that's he he has a frame of reference. Right, um, two and two and two. This ain't nothing. Right, three and two. Right? And I mean realistically speaking, I think if I'm Derek Carr, I'm like if I didn't get hurt and knocked out of that Packers game, we're four and one. You know, like like, and I th- and I believe that because this game went very similarly to that Packers game. The only difference is Derek was there in the second half and he was able to keep things kind of calmed down. And the 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 defense, obviously, you know, the Patriots never had a chance. You know, like the crowd cheered when Bailey Zappi came in. He's yeah. he's he's nothing to write home about either. I mean, they're both bad. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. That team is in shambles. But either way, um, you know, to me, it, it's like okay, you know, this was a step in the right direction. And you saw Pete incorporate more motion in the first half. I think he had 14 snaps of motion in this game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I think if you just kind of paired, you cut the second half out and just looked at the first half when the offense mattered, there was a lot more motion, a lot more creativity. And I haven't got a chance to go through the film yet, but I will. And, but I, I know just in watching it live, you could tell they were doing a lot more things in the first half to keep the defense off balance in the second half. You were just salting the clock away. You were up four scores by the start of the fourth quarter. Like, I mean, the the fans were already leaving by that point. Like, it was just a matter of get out of here healthy. Don't do anything stupid. And so, like, but I think what you saw there is good. And, you know, James Hurst, I thought, had a good take on it. And uh, here it is. Everyone keeps talking about, yeah, we know it's in there. We know, you know, fix this, fix this, and we, we can get big plays, but just yeah. have it happen. Yeah, you need it um, because, you know, you can you can think about it and you can uh, wish it and dream about it all you want, but until you do it on Sunday, it really doesn't matter. You know, do it in training camp, do it in preseason, do it in practice. Those are all great, um, but the only thing that actually matters is doing it on Sunday. So it, it was a huge confidence boost for us, and uh, it's something that we have to um, understand why we're able to do it, why we're able to be successful and, and um, imitate that week to week. To me, that's the the messaging now. It's not, y'all were great. Y'all were fantastic. No notes, right? It's self-scouting and being like, okay, why, why did things work? Why were things more successful? What did we do differently that worked in terms of preparation, in terms of game planning, in terms of practice, in terms of actually playing on the field? Because you were in a similar situation last year when you went and shut out Derek Carr and the Raiders in week eight, 24 to nothing. You know, you did the next week, you came out and you put up a dud on offense and lost 27-13 to the Ravens at home. What did you do the week after that? You went to Pittsburgh and you put up a dud on offense and lost 20-10. to You were tied 10-10 at halftime. You lost 20-10. to You did not score in the second half of that game. And so, like, to me, it's like, yeah, you, you, you can be thrilled about this game and you can feel like everything went in a positive way and you're building and you're building. But it can't be a flash in the pan. You have to be able to catch that lightning in a bottle in some way and build on it. You weren't able to do that last year. This year has to be different. They're going out to Houston. They're facing a rookie quarterback. You should be able to take advantage of him just like you were able to take advantage of Bryce Young and Mac Jones and these quarterbacks who are not up to snuff at this point. I think C.J. Stroud is playing well. But, I mean, they lost to the Falcons yesterday. Like, they're not... 
they're not unbeatable, right? Like they have a good defense and you have to put it on them on the offensive side. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's the right messaging. It's like, okay, that was great. How did it work? Figure that out and, and keep doing it. You know, it's wild with the Texans. CJ Stroud has now set the record for most passing attempts without throwing an interception to start an NFL career. So that's one thing, you know, doing some early scouting on stuff, looking at uh, Texans information, they're actually plus five in the giveaway takeaway ratio. That's huge. Uh, And we, we saw that be a factor in this game. Obviously we knew the Pats were a minus five going into week five's matchup. They ended up minus eight now uh, for the season, which yeah, Bill Belichick's skin has to be crawling about that. Yeah. When you, when you turn the ball over, you just, I mean, especially a game like that, when you were, you know, they, they turned the, they threw a pick six. They didn't score in that game. They threw a pick six. They fumbled in their own territory and allowed points. So they, they lost that game before they even had a chance to lose it. Right? Like before the Saints even got on the board, the Patriots offense gave up seven points and that was it. It was over because the right. Patriots weren't getting to seven. You know? It's like what the Saints did at the end of the first half against the Bucks. It was like, this is going to be a low-scoring game. That's the only way you're going to win it. And you spotted them seven? No. Yeah, now we need to see, like you're saying there, that consistency of excellence has to continue. There can't be a drop-off. Okay, great, we did it in one game against this struggling Patriot squad. Yeah, you got to turn around and do that. Go on the road again against a a really tough Houston Texans team. And uh, I I don't think we maybe expected them to be as competitive as they are right now, but you can tell they're definitely playing hard for D'Amico Ryans over there, which is impressive. Yeah, no, and there's pride there, right? Yeah. They're not rolling over um, like the Patriots did, right? The Patriots rolled over. Right, even like that's- another team, I think, surprisingly this year, Arizona Cardinals, another one that are surprisingly a tough out. Yeah, I think they're playing hard for a first-year head coach, and there's yeah. belief there, and even though I don't think they have the talent they need right now. But again, like they're not going to roll over. They're going to force you to go there and win, not like the Patriots. Did. Like the Patriots, <laughs> by, the end of the, by the end of the second quarter, that game was over. They were, they were like, just run the clock, get us out of here. The fans were saying the same thing. And so, yeah, that, that, that there's always a difference. But I do think that the Saints should go out there and win that game. And it's an important game because you're going to have a really hard time turning around and beating the Jags on Thursday. So um, the Jags who just beat the Bills. Although, you know, maybe you're get, catching a slight break because they might still be jet lagged by that game. <laughs> I don't know. Because they've been out in London for two whole weeks. It's going to take a little while for them to adjust. But either way, I, 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 I'm just very happy that we were able to talk about a win. And, you know, wait, any, the next time you want to sit there and complain about the Saints offense, just remember the Patriots exist. For true. I mean, yeah, you're like, wow, things aren't at least that bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, can, it can be worse. And the Saints don't, I mean, like you can argue like the Saints have Dennis Allen. And it's like, if this was Sean Payton, we'd be having these same conversations. So uh, I don't know. It's it's a whole thing. But let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. And we're going to look at some stock up players. You know, we talked about a handful of them already, but we'll, we'll get into it. I want to hear if I got an exclusive interview with Kendra Miller. Um, we'll, we'll listen to that and then we'll dive into, you know, what went right, what went wrong, all that sort of thing. Saints three and two. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around. Hey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Third and six. Mac Jones takes the snap out of the shotgun. Saints bring four. And Carl grabs it. The ball's picked off. That's Tyree Matthew. 15-10. He will walk into the end zone. Pick six for the Saints. That's how you do it. Don't wait on your offense. Let the defense do it. That is the third pick six for Mac Jones. And this is week five. You heard those boos. Oh, yeah. And we're back on inside black and gold. Those boos were like, I would argue that the boos in Gillette yesterday on Sunday were louder than any cheer that I heard throughout that game. Uh, like they were, they're, they're fed up and I, and they have every right to be They're teams one and four and they look listless. They look like they have no, you know, and like you can look past a lot of the awkward and mistaken draft selections when you're, Ooh. when you have Tom Brady and you're, and you're, you're rolling every year and you just figure it out, you know, that Bill Belichick hasn't drafted well in a while and you've missed on a lot of draft picks and you've made some yeah. off the wall selections. The saints were in a similar boat with Sean Payton. And like when they're winning you got Drew Brees and you get everything figured out, you can look past some of these weird draft picks. Right. But when you're bad, like, man, this is where you're supposed to be getting your reinforcements from what happened. And it's not his fault. They lost Christian Gonzalez. He had been playing well, but uh, yeah, anyway, this is the stock up segment of this program. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And, uh, you know, the stock is, I don't know if it can get any lower on the Patriots, but for the Saints, this is going to be primarily about the offense. That's why I played a defensive clip at the top because uh, we're going to talk mostly offense in this in this segment because, you know, I think, uh, you know, they deserve some praise. And the first guy that that I want to I wanna highlight, and, you know, he's just, at, at this point, he's just the guy who goes out there and delivers every week. He's had four catches and 50 yards minimum in every game this season. And the most important stat is five for five, which is five games played in five opportunities has not appeared on the injury report once. That is Michael Thomas. I said early in the season, you know, just having him out there is, is confidence inspiring for this team. He and Alvin Kamara are both becoming the more vocal leaders of this team. He stood up in the locker room after that week four loss and said, you know, this is not what we do here. Don't get used to this. And so that needs to continue. And, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to be that vocal leader when you instill confidence in the, your teammates that you're going to be out there every week. Um, and so far to me, you know, what you've seen from him and kind of the selfless way that he's going about his job and like telling Derek cards, like, no, you can, you can lead me into a hit. I can take it. I'm a big dude. Like, uh, you know, like that hit he took over the middle where he yes. just got up and just jogged to the sideline. He was hurting. You could you knew he was hurting after that hit, but he caught the ball, got the first down, went, got to the sideline, then kind of ducked and you know, hit behind people. But, you know, that's the type of stuff that you, you can't replicate that. That is just lead by example, good play, good football. And this team is only going to get better and better as he and Derek Carr develop that chemistry. Yeah, with Mike T, you mentioned on that play, I was kind of wincing and going, oh, please be all right, please all right. And yeah, he was able to absorb that and and still be okay in the game. But yeah, anything with Mike you're worried about 
any kind of setback he might have after the injury history. But knock on wood, everything has been going, uh, I think, as planned this season. Obviously, you want to see him get into the end zone. But a consistent presence every single game. You mentioned, uh, what is it, four or five catches at least in every game for 50 yards? He's got a – his floor so far has been four catches, 50 yards. Okay. Um, and every game he's had at least four catches and at least 50 yards receiving. Now, he hasn't had a huge game yet. I keep waiting right. for that kind of 10-catch, 120-yard breakout where he gets in the end zone and he's unguardable. You've seen flashes of it. You know, I think you need a game where Chris Olave, you know, breaks a couple plays and they have to adjust and he's able to just feast over the middle of the field. And, you know, I think, too, you know, he's also – at a point in his career, I think where he's not going to get worked up about the numbers, right? Like that's one thing that I think you can say positively about this Saints team is there's no one on it that is just trying to rack up stats, right? Like everyone's perfectly fine with a limited stat line as long as the team wins, right? And that's what you've seen thus far. I mean, Derek Carr had less than 200 yards passing. And I think he was very happy with with how things went. Like, it's not like he's like, oh, man, that just looks bad for me. It was just, you know, we got the job done. And, you know, if you can do that, if you can, and, and not just say that, if you can actually do that and believe that, that's a good thing for a football team. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, what we've seen from Mike has been really positive. And this is what he had to say about kind of that development with, with Derek Carr, because I think, you know, we took it for granted all those years with Drew Brees, just how easy it was. But it's like that's not that's not something that just showed up like that. That was reps and that was time spent on task. And uh, this, is what, this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it should always be pitch and catch between me and him. Uh, you know, I hate to say like, but when I was with Drew, that's all we did. Um, you know, pitch and catch, find open throws, nonverbal communication, talk after every play. So we're building that and um, holding each other to high standard with a guy like Mike. It's a lot of its timing. It's a lot of its understanding where he's going to be because you know that if you get it to him at the right time, he's going to fight. He's going to beat anybody. But you got you to know. You got you to have that anticipation with him because he's not going to be blowing the top off the defense. He's not going to be creating eight yards of separation. He's going to be creating space in a phone booth and you got to know where to fit the ball in. And you know, I think what you heard from Derek and Mike after this game is there's a little more nonverbal communication. There's a couple of plays where you just gave him a hand signal and he knew exactly what he was going to do. It was stuff they didn't even rep in practice. And they just got it done. So to me, that's my stock. You know, if you were, your stock was only down on Mike Thomas if you were thinking he can't get through a season. And through yeah. five games, I think what you've seen is, you know, that that durability that, you know, he displayed early in his career, we're starting to see it again. That's definitely the biggest one, man. I, th- I think we talked about it a ton. And it was like, uh, for me, definitely was like, can Mike T even last double digit games this season? What are, what are we going to see from him? Because, yeah, I'm pretty confident in the guy's abilities. Um, the strong hands, the ability to make that catch in traffic. You, you said to he obviously he's not a burner. He's not going to blow the top off at anybody. But if you're able to get the ball to him, you know he's going to secure the target. And yeah, just like I said, a consistent uh, force every game. As long as you're showing up and and not you know being a non-factor in, in the category. I know we'll get to some of the guys probably in the the stock down segment, but. You know, you just have some questions for some names in this offense of how do they fit in? Yeah, and I, I agree with that. You know, and so we can we can move on from there. You know, the next guy that I is in my stock up category is uh, Kendra Miller. Um, and I was able to catch up with Kendra after the game. And so here's that interview. 
Uh, should I feel like we came out and you know did our job? Everybody just you know stayed patient, even though we done lost the past two, and uh, you know finally came out and, and did our job, and everybody just was on the same page today. Yeah, we kept kept hearing all week. You know, it seems close. We're just the small things. You got to clean stuff up. Is this kind of the performance you you felt like was in there? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, I feel like this is the the team we are. You know, I seen our training camp, uh, the type of team we were. So you know, just to come out here and to dominate, uh, you know, that's that's the type of team I feel like we are. So you know, I feel like we, we can dominate any opponent. We just go out there and practice uh, every week like, you know, it's week one. Gotcha. And, you know, obviously you, it was just you and Alvin active today. Obviously Taysom has a role there too, but does that, you know, kind of to you just that confidence that they have in you to, to be kind of that RB2? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, all week uh, after last week, you know, I was kind of, you know, rotating in third and, you know, this week they, they told me, that, you know, I'm going to get more carries. Uh, I, I think it most definitely shows the confidence because, you know, they tell me all the time, you know, they didn't draft me for for no reason. So, uh, obviously, they feel like I can come in here and make an impact. So, uh, I just, you know, appreciate them for the confidence in me. The other thing that stood out to me was, you know, the screen game. We got a couple of those going. I feel like that's the part of the offense that has not necessarily been huge to this point. How have you, you know, how do you kind of feel that works for you in, in the screen game? Yeah, so it, it really just takes, you know, one one play, one one person to make a play to, to uh, make that mark and then just set the tone for the rest of the, the team for uh, far as you know the screen game you get one screen going and you know uh teams will start playing them more uh you know the blocks were you know perfect on it you know we just gotta keep keep running it you know one on one i'm gonna pop for a touchdown gotcha and just last question you know there's been some questions about play calling and you know creativity and just establishing the run and and imposing your will how do you how do you think that all went today it felt like the the offense as a whole really kind of got on a roll uh, especially in that second yeah most definitely you know uh you know you running the ball it it opens up everything, you know. I feel like, you know, uh, Pete, he told us we were gonna come out and run the ball today, and you know we ran the ball well, and you know that opened up opportunities for everybody else, and you know everybody got love today. So you know it was just fun to be able to out there and, and play with everybody. Appreciate it. Congrats on the win, man. When you make that decision to waive Tony Jones and go into this game with just Alvin and Kendra. To me, that's a sign of like major confidence and trust. And a guy who's only, you know, they're in week five, but he missed the first two games. So this is his third career game. And you're not only giving him a role, you're saying, no, you're the guy. If Alvin went down with an injury, God forbid, he would have been the the lead running back. And Taysom Hill's obviously in that conversation as well. But, you know, he, he caught passes. He caught a screen that check down that he caught for 33 yards. You know, that's just him being aware and getting to the right spot where he's supposed to be making a nice hands catch. It wasn't a perfect throw. He went and got it. And then he made a guy miss downfield and suddenly you're in business. And that type of off schedule playmaking is just something we haven't seen through the first four weeks. So to me, that was one of the more encouraging plays. And it was just a check down. It was just the offense working. And so to have him in there and to be able to trust him in those situations, you know, and Derek Carr talked about it like he's just a very mature veteran or a very mature player for a rookie. Um, and like he's in the huddle. He doesn't, Derek doesn't have to constantly be, you know, reminding him what to do, reminding him to go fast, to play fast. And he's only going to keep getting better. And so to me, like, you know, I, I was wondering how long it was going to take for them to kind of unleash Kendra in this offense. And I think you're getting there and, you know, it's around the same, it's on the same general timeline as, as when you had Alvin in his rookie season and you had Mark as kind of that, bell cow and you were just trying to you know test the limits of what you can do with alvin and i think you're in that same 
area with Kendra right now. And it's really nice to have a guy you trust, a young player that benefits from reps that you can put in in the fourth quarter, of, especially of a game like that, and just get him 12 carries. It was a career-high carries, career-high rushing yard, career-high catches, career-high receiving yards. Um, so to me, that was just a great, great day for him. Yeah, definitely what stood out, the, the rushing numbers, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you see four targets, four receptions, and I was like, oh, hel- hello there. Uh, something, yards, yeah. Yeah, something that, you know, everyone talked about. He really wasn't asked to do that at TCU, but he does have that ability as well. We, we saw that on display definitely in this game, and I, I love the fact that he is getting these reps right now. Obviously, a guy like Jamal Williams is still uh, on IR, and it might be one of those – blessings I guess you could say at this point that he's able to absorb more of those uh reps instead of having to share that split time with Jamal and yeah like you said too ton of confidence for them to be able to say sorry Tony we appreciate what you've done but we're gonna let you go and you know lean on uh the rookie more and yeah I'm, I'm all about it because I, I want to see more of what Kendra Miller to do one of was one of those draft picks was excited about because of that big breakaway ability that he definitely has. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, yeah, I think you're going to keep Tony around either if it's on the practice squad or you do right. bring him back to the active roster. Just if the numbers make more sense this week, you had to make stuff work at safety. You called up Daniel Sorensen and Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram uh, had a really nice stop on Mike Gusecki that forced that field goal that missed, um, yeah. you know, so like, he's a guy like these guys coming up off the practice squad, making plays, you know, so it's not, it's not over for him. He's still going to be a part of this team, and it is going to be. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, I think the earliest he can get back. So he went on IR before week three. So three, four, five, six. So he, the earliest he can get back is week seven after the Jags game, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And the early and who who knows if he's going to be ready to come right. back? I don't know how significant his hamstring injury is. Um, but either way, eventually, you're you know a hamstring injury isn't something that you expect to keep you out the rest of the year, like at a certain point, you're going to be able, you're going to want to bring him back from injured reserve. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. But for at least two more games, Kendra is going to be getting a heavy workload. So it's good to see that that's not going to be, you know, it would be really disappointing if he went out there and he made a bunch of dumb rookie errors. He fumbled, he dropped a pass, that sort of thing. Like, you know, is he perfect all the time? No, but we haven't seen anything that makes you question whether you can trust him, right? right? And so that, to me, that's why your stock goes up as a rookie player. Well, why isn't he performing like A-Chan? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't it's know. just Maybe unbelievable, the Dolphins obviously. Just the, the Dolphins are stocked with weaponry. It's ridiculous. Although they did lose to the did lose to the Bills by like, what, 28? So yeah. and anything can happen, man. Anything can happen. Going down the rest, these are, these are all kind of honorable mentions, but, you know, obviously Alvin... You know, not a, it's funny because a 97 yard day with a touchdown, it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's the minimum, right? That's what you should get. But he did pass Marcus Colston's franchise record. So he ends up on this list for that alone. And he's, he, you know, it's funny. I don't think Alvin really, you know, he cares about it, but it's, I think everyone else cares about it more than he does. He's just, I loved you know, what he said post game. He's like, I was more happy that my teammates were so joyous for me. And I was like, yeah. you know, that, that, I respect that, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it's funny because, you know, you go back and it's like, this should have been done a long time ago, right? Like, yeah. I think he got his 71st touchdown against the Raiders in week eight. He didn't get another touchdown against the Brown until the Browns game. I think that was week 15 or 16. And then so now we're f- five weeks into 2023 and he's finally getting that touchdown 
So if I'm out, like if I'm Alvin, I'm like, man, I need to be getting in the end zone more. Like I'm kind of yeah. disappointed that it took this long. Right. That, long time that, coming. Yeah. And then I, I, that I forced Marcus to have to watch all of these terrible football games just to, <laughs> just to, so he could be ready to send out that tweet. Uh, anyway, I, I'm sure Marcus will be watching either way, but so, so Kamara's on there and you know, just the consistency, he's willing to run between the tackles and he's good at it. And so, you know, I don't think you want to hammer him between the tackles 20 times a game, but you know, you can. And I think, being willing to do it is important because you don't want you don't want it to be kind of a tell that when he's on the field you're not running between the tackles. Uh, so I think that's something. But either way, like I just love the way Alvin has approached the last few weeks. Yeah, and I I was actually surprised in the end of the game when you look at the stats. I thought the Saints as a whole would have had more yards per carry, but I guess it was just more of them sticking with the run that you know stuck in my head. But I, I thought they were at least more productive this game, obviously, than they had been in the past on the ground. Well, the annoying thing is the kneel downs count as rush attempts. So that goes down as three attempts for negative four yards. Um, so if you cut that out and you cut the scrambles out, I think that the the yards per attempt goes up a little bit. Right. You're close to four. Like you're not, not perfect, but they also knew you were going to run. Like you were running against the front that was that was trying to stop you from running and you were still picking up yardage. So... You know, I think just the, the the offensive line imposed its will today, and so to me that was that was a positive sign. Yeah, um, and we saw, down, I think we saw more of that the the moves that we usually see from Alvin. He was a little more elusive, and yeah. you were kind of like, oh, you saw those glimpses of, oh, there's that guy again. I think he was shaking the rust off a bit in week four, and you're starting to see him get get back more to that. You know, he had one play where he basically kind of like went to the sideline and then was like, nope. And then broke back in field and got like eight more yards as like six people failed to tackle. And was like, yeah, that's Alvin. That's the guy I remember. Never, never looks like he's ever been off balance in his entire life. Okay. Next guy, Jordan Howden, rookie safety played with a club on his left hand. Not really a club, (laughs) but it was like his two fingers were like frozen. And it's like, he was pointing like he was doing permanent finger guns. And you know, I think for a rookie, I haven't seen him get exposed once. Um, you know, he's taken some rough angles at points, you know, he hasn't gotten his hands on some balls that maybe he could have He had two passes defensed in this game. You know, I, I think, you know, you obviously didn't want to have to be without Marcus May for three games, but you know, down the stretch of this season, the balance of this season, as you go forward and you have to bake in accountability for injuries. And, you know, if, if Marcus goes down or Tyron goes down and you, you have a guy you trust, the rookie is only going to get better and better. These reps are going to be super valuable for him. And so I was glad to see him get back out there with the, even with the finger kind of messing with him. And I think he's been really solid. Definitely an impressive addition in this year's draft class. And, you know, I'm thinking about that now. What the heck are they going to do with Marcus May coming back now? Well, I mean, he's going to start. He's going to get back in there. They were really good when he was there. It's not like, sure, right. it's not like they've, you know, I think that that's, you know, he he's a bit more of a playmaker. I think he's going to take more chances and than Jordan. He's going to play a little safer as a rookie. And there's points like event. If you leave him out there enough, he's going to get exposed. Like eventually, just because it's just inevitable, and that could happen to Marcus too. But you know, he's going to get. I think he's going to kind of shift back into his dime package role. He's going to be more involved in special teams, and you just have a guy that you trust and you can give reps where you need him. Uh, guys get hurt in this league, and. You know, it's only it's uh, one of the things that's been been annoying me over the past couple of years is you haven't had that. You haven't really had a young safety. It's been like, OK, the starters are good. But what happens when you lose one? Rah. 
right. Daniel Sorensen's in. I don't know. So it's good to see them just have a rookie young player that they can develop at that position behind guy like Tyron Matthew and Marcus Man. No, man. We've yeah, we've talked about a lot. The the depth of this secondary, mighty impressive for sure. All right. So a couple more. Tyron Matthew just keeps doing his thing. It seems like uh, you know, we've gone we'll come a long way from when everyone was giving him such a hard time last year. He's washed. Uh, I don't hear I don't hear too many people with the with the he's washed takes anymore. He's just a guy who's always in the right place. This team looks up to him, you know, and so he, I love Tyron. I've I I feel like I was on the right side of that uh, that 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 take all along, and uh, so it's good to see him keep keep doing his thing. A steady Eddie, great leader, and just really a a guy when he speaks. That's that calming presence. I feel like. Yep. Uh, next up, Foster Morrow. You know, <laughs> the tight end position. It's kind of pissing yeah. me off in terms of why aren't they using it? You know, why why aren't they giving guys chances? Today, they did give him a couple chances. Ty, you know, Foster's a guy who does all the dirty work. He's never going to get credit for a lot of the stuff he does. So it's nice to see them give him that little shovel pass opportunity, basically a Travis Kelsey special in the in the red zone, and it worked. And now that's on tape. And so they, just, just being able to execute plays like that, I think is very helpful for an offense just in general because it now forces defenses to account for stuff. That you know, the, the the simpler your offense seems, the easier it is to defend. And so, like now that you have on tape this little shovel pass trick play that gets into the end zone, now teams have to be alert for that, and maybe it opens up some stuff uh, down the line. So it's just you know uh, good for him. This October is a big month for him. The whole crucial catch thing, and uh, you know he's he's taking a big role in that. So it's. Uh, you know, I, I think it's that that touchdown was important to him. I talked to him after the game. And so it's just it's good to see him. Obviously, guy everyone roots for is a local kid. So uh, first touchdown in the Saints uniform. That's that's a meaningful one. He said he forgot to keep the ball. Um, oh, no. <laughs> he just lost. He just completely forgot because it's not like it's his first touchdown. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, definitely great to see Foster back in the mix. Love hearing the guy talk. I feel like he's. He's one of those that you you meet and can become instantly best friends with. He's very easy to talk to, you know, easygoing dude. Um, and just, man, uh, you mentioned the tight end position. I've been getting a ton of heat from my out-of-town buddies, you know, fantasy football recommending Juwan yeah. Johnson. They're like, where the heck is he? That's, that's a great question. I know he's dealing with injury right now, and hopefully he can get back in this mix. Yeah, he got that calf injury. I asked Derek Carr about it. You know, I asked him point blank. It was like, why hasn't the tight end position been more uh, heavily utilized? And he kind of brushed it off. He was like, this is just how games have been going. And it's funny because he, he makes a good point. It's like he, there, he, when he was with the Raiders, everyone was like, well, why are you throwing to Darren Waller 200 times and not the wide <laughs> receivers? You know? So, you know, in that sense, like he's, he's got a point. It's like, at a, at a, there's always one position where you're like, well, why aren't you throwing to that guy? Right. That said, I do think that there should be a bit more investment in getting, getting tight ends opportunities. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, not having Juwan obviously limits that, but. That's gonna. I also told people to draft Jawan Johnson, so it's not my best fantasy take out there. Um, exactly. It was like, oh, he's a stud in training camp. He's so many targets. He was. All right, two more, two more, and we'll go for first off to Derek Carr. You know, I think he's not going to get a ton of credit for his day, and his numbers aren't going to jump off the page. But I think he did exactly what you need him to do, and you know, he didn't try to do too much. He he didn't make any dangerous throws. Um, you know, he just ran the offense well executed in the red zone. If you got that Derek Carr every day, you're winning double digit games and you're making the playoffs for sure. So I I like that. And then the last one, Blake groupie, as you mentioned, those two kicks from 50 yards, you know, I asked, I asked Dennis Allen after the game was like, what's the confidence level in in Blake right now? It's a very high. 
Well, then why didn't you, if you, if your confidence level in him was so high all along, why didn't you attempt that 54 or 55 yarder against the Bucks? I'm sorry, against the, the Packers. And to me, that's like, that's the difference, right? Like today you were in a similar position. You were up 21, nothing. And you attempted that 54 yarder in the third quarter. And it's like against the, the Packers, you decided to punt. So, you know, that was a decision I was very critical of. And I'm glad that they, as a coaching staff, have have come to terms with the, the fact that you got to give him chances. And he's very good from 50-plus. I think he's actually better from 50-plus than he is from 40 to 49, <laughs> just generally speaking. And so, yeah, like, that was that was cool. Uh, and then the second one, like I said, it should have been a 47-yarder, and they took a delay a game for no reason. Um, either way, you know, good for him. He missed the game winner or the go ahead, I should say, against the Packers, and and there's yeah, you'll give him credit, you'll give him grief for that, but he's perfect. Otherwise, I think he's eleven for twelve. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, there's no, there are no second guesses going on in that in that locker room about whether they kept the right guy. I no, think. I thought that was it was huge. Yes, uh, you know, watching the game against the the Pats, two fifty yarders plus outside on the road. Uh, sure, it wasn't, I guess you could say, clutch scenarios, but it was still big time uh, makes for him, for sure. And there was a decent amount of wind, and it was not, and it was blowing sideline to sideline. So, okay. which makes it a little more complicated because you do have to play it. Like, if it's blowing end to end, it can affect it. But, you know, if you're kicking with the wind, you're just, you're just pounding it through. And if you're kicking right. against it, you know, it's really just a matter of making sure you get the right trajectory. When it's going sideline to sideline, you have to actually play it. And so it was good to see him get that done. Cause like, like I said, I don't think he had to deal with that in training camp. We really didn't see any real wind during that entire month. Uh, so, you know, it's just, yeah, obviously I'd still like to see him make a clutch kick because I don't want to, you hope that it's not a situation where he's going to make all of these kicks. And then anytime he gets into a clutch scenario, he's going to clam up. Right. I don't think that's going to be the case, but until we see it work, you know, until we see him make a clutch kick, I'm going, I'm going to wonder and I'm going to be a little stressed out. But yeah, either way, like that's my last stock up player. Um, I don't know if you, if you have any others you want to throw in there, but I'll obviously it's mostly on offense. But yeah, I'll give a shout out to Granderson just for yep. his pressures. Zach, um, I think he had three tackles for loss, some hits on the quarterback. Uh, one of those guys that definitely stood out on that dominant defense yesterday as being an aggressor and a difference maker. He forced that interception, that Tyron Matthew interception, right? So, yeah, I mean, right. yeah, he should have been on my list. I I left him off. But it's because my expectations for him are so much higher than they were to start the season already. Um, and so he, you know, and but he did have a rough game. I think the entire defensive line had a rough game against the Bucs. They weren't able to get home. They weren't able to pressure Baker That's Mayfield. That's why I mentioned him, too, because I think he's been on the up yeah. and the down. So he's back on the up. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because like certain quarterbacks, I think are just a lot better at evading pressure. And the Saints just have these kind of big, bulky guys. So when you deal with that kind of herky jerky quarterback, you have to be really on point when you get upfield. And so they were able to do that today. And you know, when this game actually felt like a game, the defensive line is is what destroyed that for the for the Patriots. Uh, I know Cam Jordan recovered a fumble. I think he he and uh, Tano shared a sack at one point. Yeah. You know, it was a good day for the defensive line in general. Oh, Roach had a, a pass breakup. Yes. But yeah, like you said, it, it was nice to see that that front, you know, assert its will, basically. Uh, we, we could face that Patriots offense more often than not. I'd like that. <laughs> Agreed. All right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to do a quick, you know, three down segment, kind of get into Alvin Kamara has a list. 
which I find funny. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noack. He's Steve Geller. We will be right back. Subscribe. I just want to address, because I was just thinking about it. Tyron Matthew owes me a pick. I think Cam owed me like a sack or two. Mike owed me a catch. So I'm going to put Mike and Derek in the same bracket. And I don't know what it was, the throw or the, or the, or the catch. Mike owed me a catch. Chris owed me a catch, because I've seen him make them catches before on that sideline. Um, what else? I'm going to just blame something on DA just because. Pete was good today. Oh, you how? Uh, Shahid went off sides. Foster went off sides. So owe me as in don't do that shit. <laughs> I got a I got a very very good memory. So you know I, I think those dudes they 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 harder on themselves than I'll ever be. But I'm gonna talk shit though. You know I mean it's like we need that. They know they know it though. You know it's it's not like a it's not like me getting on them. But it's like man we gotta if we some of those penalties. I mean we're, we 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 doing what we doing. We we need to stay ahead of the chain so we can get more. And we're back on inside. Black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. That was Alvin Kamara, list maker. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like he has a spreadsheet, but it's all but up he's here. Focused. He's keeping them in his head, and yeah, and I believe him when he says that he's he's gonna he's got good memory and he's gonna keep those because uh, he did. He named basically all of the penalties. Um, like he knows, like he called out, you know, uh, a lot of these guys, and uh, I do think that's funny. And and again, you talk about okay, leadership. You know, keeping players accountable. He's the, you know, as, as much as he's joking, I think he's trying to say it in kind of a joking way. They won a game, so he's in a good mood. And right. But, like, I think there is more to it than just, like, kind of joking around. Like, I think there's a kernel of, of honesty there in that he's not going to allow people to just make mistakes and not get called out on it. He's going to be that guy who says, no, you got to be, we can't be doing that. And he's like, I, I have mistakes that I have to clean up. Derek has mistakes that he has to clean up. And so it's like, I think that is important because it can't just be the coaching staff yelling at players in film sessions because they screwed up. It's got to be something within that group where everyone feels accountable to each other. And so I think that's, that's really what he was like. I think Alvin, I mean, I know Alvin's a very smart person. And I think that when he says stuff like that, there is kind of this underlying messaging going on, uh, even in when it's like this jokey thing. And so to me, that's, that's kind of, that's really interesting insight into the locker room. He really is almost like another coach as that motivator of, yeah, I'm I'm not really calling you out, but it is kind of poking you to be like, hey, you know, and I know, so let's get this shit together and get it right. Yeah, they play for each other, right? Like right. you're not just you're not just playing a game; you're playing for the guy next to you, and that's part of it, you know. And so that's good to hear. But you know, this is that there's there's a theme here, and so we're gonna get into the three down segment. And my first down isn't even a player; it's several of them. It is the false starters, and they are starters. It's not a T-shirt I want to wear. False starters. There were four false starts in this game by my count on the Saints, and you know, in a lot of instances, you would be like, "Oh man, the crowd—they—they they, they were so loud. They affected it." No, <laughs> that is not what happened today. That is not an excuse. It was just mistakes. And so Alvin listed them himself, but I'm going to list them. You had, and, and it was weird because of the players that they were called on, right? So you had Rashid Shahid had one wide receiver. Chris Olave had one wide receiver. Austin Morrow had one tight end. And then Cesar Ruiz had one, which is a guard and the offensive lineman. That's kind of what you expect. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like part of that was they were trying to incorporate a lot more motion, a lot more creativity. And, you know, when I think the more you try to handle in that moment, the, 
the easier it is to kind of, you know, just kind of catch yourself moving or not get set. Um, but yeah, th- that's gotta be better. 12 penalties, 87 yards in a close game. That's going to cost you a game like Absolutely. this. You can look past it in this one because it was never close and it was a laugher by the end of the second quarter. But you know, those are the type of mistakes they could have put 50 on the board. If not for some of those mistakes. Yeah. The, the point there is because of how awful this Pat squad was, they couldn't take advantage of those mistakes at all. And yeah, it was still a 34 zip uh, showing from them. Like you mentioned, the Saints could have put up 40, 50 points in this game, if not for those stupid penalties. And the the Patriots unable to capitalize at all. It shows you, too. I think it's uh, you hear from the guys like Bobby Bear, Deuce McAllister, you know, 10 penalties or 100 yards in penalties a game equates to a touchdown. Basically the Pats could not get that. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because part of me wonders if the coaching staff is kind of happy to see all the penalties because every coach doesn't, you know, coaches don't want to come out of a game and have nothing to complain about. (laughs) Yeah, right. They always want to have something. And so it's like, you know, everything kind of went well otherwise, but at least that gives them something to be like, you guys got to be better. I don't care if we won 34 to nothing. This is unacceptable. Right. It's a lot easier to be critical when that stands out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I, cause I'm sure that's going to be a huge topic all week is like, oh, too many, like we're going to hear from DA uh, to done on Monday where this, we're recording this before DA talks, but I guarantee you one of the first things out of his mouth, I'll be like, gotta, gotta clean up. Better. So, you know, I guess it's not the end of the world, but there was too many. And the, the Saints have actually been pretty decent on, on the side of the penalties, especially procedural stuff. Like you're going to have holding, you're going to have pass interference, uh, especially with the way the Saints play on the outside. Um, like the holding penalties are kind of a necessary evil. Joe Woods has said like, you know, he he tells his guys, okay, the first one's on me. Right. But then after that, it's on you. And because it's like, you kind of have to stay in their hip pocket and occasionally they're going to get some illegal contact, some holding, but it's the, it's the, if you can't get the snap off, if you're looking at third and third and four and you can't get the snap off because someone moves and then your third and nine is like, man, like third and four is go. Your entire playbook is open. And then third and nine, the defense has an advantage. That's such a swing when you look at it in real time. And it happened multiple times in this game where the Saints had a reasonable third down and then false start third and long. Um, I think they converted on one of them. It was the deep ball to Mike Thomas. But, you know, the, that's, again, it's like if that was, if this was a situation where this was a one score game and you're trying to put a team away and you suddenly you're punting because of a silly mistake. So, so to me, that's like, you know, it's not any individual player, but this team's got to be more composed than that uh, and, and not get all those procedural penalties. So that's yeah, my def- definitely something, you know, uh, as good as everything looked on offense on defense and special teams, you have that one issue to harp on. It's like, we can't have everything nice in one game. So this one, it was right. the penalties. Right. That's so much of this is like, this is all kind of gravy mistakes. Like I'm, I'm just kind of like skimming off the top of like, well, this is some things didn't go well and then you have to call some stuff out. Uh, Jimmy Graham is my next one. And it's like, yeah, he, he, he's, he, I think he's been decent as a blocker. So I'm not going to complain about him as a blocker. He just has gotten so few opportunities in the passing game that when you do get one, it's like, gosh, catch the ball. And it wasn't a great pass. It was behind him. Jimmy, he can catch that. Yeah. Uh, and if he catches that, that, that's an example of a third down. I think it was either the first or second drive. Um, and, uh, you know, you had a chance to pick up a first down and go in for points at that point in the game. I think it was zero, zero. I think that was right before the Tyron Matthew pick six. Um, and it's like, okay, Jimmy, 
you know, you've gotten two targets on the season. One of them can't be a drop. I don't know if technically it's going to go down as a drop, but I think he would consider it a drop. Um, and so say, it's yeah. like, if you're not going to be involved in the offense that much and you're going to not make the plays when you get the opportunity, and in fairness, he did catch that touchdown against the Packers on his only other target. I just, I don't know what, you know, I, it's like when Jawan gets back, what is his role? Like, I, I think at a certain point, you have to start looking at the numbers and being like, do we really need that extra tight end? Is it really benefiting us? Or would we benefit from having an extra offensive lineman? Or would we benefit from having an extra safety that, you know, or a third running back, right? Like, wouldn't you rather have a third running back than a third tight end on a game day when one guy goes down and suddenly you have one back available? Like, that's not how you want it to go. So I don't know. I think, you know, there's going to be a point this season where, you know, the, the victory lap is, is, is only that. Um, and it's like, you kind of just got to, got to face the music and be like, this isn't working. Yeah. We've kind of questioned the, the vision for Jimmy. And I think he's been fortunate with the numbers game. Uh, you know, you mentioned right there uh, early on Foster Murrow, you know, missed right. the, the first few games with an injury. Now you're dealing with Juwan Johnson with an issue, but if we can get everybody back healthy, how does Jimmy fit into the mix? Uh, he has been a better blocker. I'll give him that credit too. But, you know, just being more than a speed bump, you're going to have to be for this offense right now. Right. I think that's a good point. Like, I don't even, I don't even, not even saying you cut him. I'm just saying, like, if you're back to, like, you're, like you said, they were without Foster for a couple of games. They've been without Juwan the last couple of games. And if those guys are both healthy, I, could, I foresee a situation where Jimmy Graham is an inactive player on game day. Because it's like, well, right. we, we, I mean, if we're going to just have a guy in there to block, why not have an extra H back, right? Like, why not? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that they're going to have to figure out. But, for, and like, you're, cause you're getting May back, you're getting Hayner back. So the numbers game is going to be a little bit more complicated. Not so far, so much for Hayner, but cause he's going to be inactive unless there's some injuries. Um, either way, I, I think that's going to be something. But no, I don't need to hammer Jimmy too much. And on a game where everything else went well, right? The one other player. That, that I'm going to crit- criticize here. And it's only because I think I'm worried he's going to give Dan- Darren Rizzi an aneurysm is uh, Alante Taylor and specifically special teams version of Alante Taylor. Because um, <laughs> there was two moments, two, two punt returns in this game. One of them, I don't know what happened. Some wires got crossed. He didn't get on the field. They played a punt return with 10 players because Alante Taylor was not on the field. And Darren Rizzi lit into him he was pissed and uh i think like da had to play like good cop and be like you know you know um and so it's like you can't do that i mean (laughs) that's you got to be better than that and like it's funny because i'm gonna critique his special teams play but he's the starting slot corner so it's like nothing you do on special teams is going to impact your standing as a member of the defense and i thought he had a solid day but then there was another punt return later in the game Rashid he caught it around the eight, had a 16-yard return, set you up in very reasonable field position, got called for a hold. That, so that wipes out the return and makes that drive start at the five. And again, it's like we can look past that in a 34-0 game. Right, in a close right. game, that's a huge difference. And so like you can't have those silly mistakes. And again, it's like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching here. I'm reaching for stuff to complain about. Uh, and but that's one of them. Like you can't make multiple errors on special teams because uh, you know you're gonna lose. You're gonna get you know some some angry coaches uh, in your ear pretty quickly if you keep that up. Uh, that's a great point with the special teams right there. Um, I didn't even know that Alante missed 
you know, getting onto the field. I only know that because of Deuce, because Deuce pays attention to that stuff better than anybody. And so he's he, he called it out on the broadcast. And then I did see, you know, on the sideline that there was some uh, there's some griping going Chastising. on. Um, but it was it, I mean, it, it didn't really affect anything. Like, I think the punt went out of bounds, but it's just like those types of silly mistakes. You got to you know, it's like he he's dealing a lot. He's dealing with a lot. I, I almost think at a certain point, it's like, is it reasonable to ask him to do special teams as well? I don't know. Like, I don't think CJ ever played special teams. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't recall CD Dews doing that. At least not later. Maybe, maybe probably earlier in his career. But I don't, I mean, I don't remember seeing him out there. Like, you don't typically see your starting defensive backs. And I consider the slot corner position to be a starting position. All due respect to base personnel, it sure. barely exists. So you typically don't see your starting defensive players on special teams. But, you know, he's good. He's supposed to be good at it. It's supposed to be an asset. So I think he'll be better. But it's just, you know, like I said, I'm reaching. Then that's just something that, you know, he's got to improve. No, that was definitely something on draft day. And, you know, that was actually one of the knocks when people were like, why are the Saints drafting this special teamer? In the second round. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's that's my list. Um, my jet lag from New England. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. Uh, I'm very much awake because we did not leave time zones. Actually, we did leave a time zone. Yeah. But we got it back. We got the hour back. So it's like the opposite. Like I'm not, you don't get jet lagged when you get the hour back. Um, but either way, you know, I, I think you, the Saints team should feel like it's in a good position. You got to go out to Houston. You got to win a game. I think if you're four and two going into that game against the Jags, you're feeling really good. If you're three and three and you, and you, that's a game to stay over 500, then it becomes really dicey uh, as you kind of look at the balance of this season. And I think I said in the last episode or two episodes ago, you, I think for this Saints team to get to, to double-digit wins, you got to take advantage of the rookies on your schedule. Yes. And when you're a team that relies on its defense to kind of make inroads for you, that's that's a matchup you should be licking your chops about. I think the Saints want to be that first team to intercept C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Maybe it'll be Elante Taylor with his first pick of his, you know, of his career. Now you're just talking I'm, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, you, you mentioned with this, you got to take advantage. Rookie quarterback, also rookie coach. Uh, much respect to D'Amico Ryans, but still... Uh, yeah, totally a game the Saints need to go in. And we can't fall into this damn pattern this season, Jeff, of win one, lose one kind of shit. We got to start stringing some of these wins together, especially right now when you look at the schedule. We pretty we were mapping out things of what you expected to be wins. And this was definitely a, a, the game in Houston was marked as a W in my column, I'm sure for many. I, I, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, they, they got to go win that game. Like I get it, Houston's playing better than than people might have expected. They're still starting a rookie quarterback, and they're still at a talent deficit. So that's a game the Saints should expect to win. I expect. I imagine they'll. Sorry, surprisingly, Damian Pierce has not been a factor at all yeah. for them all year. Right, and like Nico Collins and Tank Dell are blowing up the right. league apparently. Uh, but hey, you know it is what it is. But all right, let's wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. We'll be back later in the week. I think Wednesday. I'll do a quick injury report breakdown to go through the initial injury report of the week. And then we'll have a longer preview and uh, go through some film notes. When I get a chance to go through the film later today, I'll, I'll parcel that in uh, to, to one of these episodes. We'll figure it out. Um, but thanks everyone for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show at saints underscore pod. You can f- check out the latest saints content news and analysis over at WWL. Dot com And as always, listen to Mike Dettelier, Bobby Bear, and Steve Geller over on Sports Talk every day, 48 p.m. on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3. And 
the Odyssey app. Steve, you excited? Yeah, man. Always feeling better after a, a victory for sure. Uh, it, it beats the alternative and it just, it really does change your mood for a week. I don't care if you are a fan or even following uh, or, or covering a team. I feel like, you know, my mood's going to be better this week because we're, we're heading into a, a more positive realm than coming off two straight losses, obviously. I agree. And now we can start complaining about the Pelicans. They're gonna <laughs> there you start go, that. right? I'm wearing the Pell shirt here. <laughs> Let's go All Zion. Right. Who that? Go Pels. Easy, y'all. Peace.